All right, uh, welcome to the Apex Vaulting Podcast. Uh, we're on episode 43. I uh, just want to thank everybody who, who listens. Um, again, if you want to follow us on Instagram, it's The Real Apex Vaulting. Um, we're Apex Vaulting on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, apexvaulting.com. Um, today we have an awesome, awesome guest. I'm so thankful that she agreed to come on, uh, Tiana Bartoletta. Um, you've had an awesome track career. She's not a pole vaulter, but she's long jumper, 100 meter runner. Um, you have a lot of experience. And, you know, we were talking before I started the podcast. You know, we kind of want to talk about social media and kind of the state of the sport, just track and field in general. Um, how do you how do you feel, uh, you know, Tiana, you, how old are you right now? I hate to ask. I know it's impolite. I'll but be 33 next week. 33 next week, right? So you, you've been in this sport for a long time. I, I mean, I was looking up, you know, your, your high school stats, your college stats, you know, your professional stats. I mean, it's amazing. We were talking before we started the podcast. You won your first individual gold at the 2005 World Championships. And, and then it was 2016. You win again in, in Rio in the long jump. Um, you know, you, you've kind of seen it all. Uh, how, how, what do you think about social media in our sport? Is it done the right way? Like, what, what, needs, what needs to be done? Because I, I think you do an awesome job. I, I see you, uh, you know, talking to fans all the time, whether it's Twitter, Instagram. You're always responding. You're always trying to get back to people. What do you, what do you think, though, as a sport in general? You know, what, what's, what's maybe di- being done well? What, what do we need to add? Well, thank you for the compliment, first of all. I think, yeah, I think we're on both sides of the coin. Some people um, do do a good job, but largely it's, it's done poorly, I think. I mean, track and field, athletics is one of those sports that so many people have been involved in on some level. Mm-hmm. You know, in grade school or just as a kid, running was one of the most valuable things, running, jumping. And so... Our potential to have huge audiences is is there, right? Uh, but on social media, we do a really horrible job, you know, bringing those people in, or even making those connections for people who maybe did it in school, mm-hmm. um, and are struggling to see how that the watching the Olympics is still, you know, a reiteration of that same sport that they participated in way back, and that maybe the only difference is, you know. Um, coaching or, you know, where you went to school, but you can, a lot of athletes don't take the time to connect those dots from the people that follow them right. uh, as far as what it took to get to that point or vice versa they learned that helped them get to that point. And I think that people really relate to that. Right. Uh, instead of, you know, a lot of us are using social media to say, you know, like, shout out to my sponsor Nike or this partner I'm going here today, you know, kind of like, uh, my so-called fabulous life right. um, theme. Mm-hmm. And that's, and some athletes, like you saying, that is their life, but for the majority of us, it's not. And mm-hmm. it puts out a, a strange picture about what it means to be a professional athlete. And I just think that if we were more genuine and realistic, more people would relate to it. I, You know, I think you hit upon something that I think is so huge. And I, I know we were we mentioned him before we went on the podcast. You know, I'm I'm a big follower of Gary Vee. I, lo- I love his stuff. And one of the things he talks about is just honesty is so important. And especially in this day and age of, of social media, the Internet, you know, you can't hide. You know, I feel right. like I feel like if, if you're just real, you keep it real. Like if you're a nice dude, be a nice dude. If you're that competitor that 
Maybe you talk trash a little bit. Talk trash a little bit. I, I think just telling your story, because that's what draws people in. Like, people want a story. You know, I, I, I know our sport tends to be a lot about numbers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody wants to know what you jumped to the quarter inch, right? And the thing is, there's more to that story than just that quarter inch. You know, to me, it's so funny. Like, I, I don't know, Tiana, like, I even in the pole vault, you know, I'll watch. And, you know, the world championships, uh, Euro champs, I'm sorry, just happened. And, and Mondo won, which was awesome. He jumped 6.05. And then, you know, Timor, the Russian, jumped 6 meters. What people, I think, and especially in America, don't realize, they jump two inches apart. What's two inches? Right. It's nothing. That battle is the, the story I want to hear about. That back and forth. What did those guys feel like? I mean, I, I mean, I'll ask you. I mean, you know, how did it feel in 2016? I mean, there there was a really you know star-studded field in that long jump, which I feel like people don't really understand enough. I mean, I. I'm actually Serbian. That's my ethnicity. So, uh, you know, I'm a little bit of an Ivana Spanovic fan just because she's Serbian. You know, but she was there. You know, you, you had Brittany as well from America. I mean, and you came out on top. I mean, no one wants to talk about the emotions through, the, through those jumps, you know. I mean, I feel yeah. like that's, that's really important, you know. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. It was a crazy competition. And it came on the back of the Diamond League creating a new rule where we only got to have four jumps in the competitions wow. leading up to that movie. And so uh, the really crazy thing about Rio was that a lot of us weren't sure what jump five would look like. Right. So having not been tested, uh, that kind of stamina or mental fitness hadn't been tested right. previously before that. And we got out there, and everybody from, from like, the fifth and the sixth round jumped major jumps. I mean, wow. huge yeah. jumps. I jumped, uh, I think I got close to seven meters or something, and, and Brittany, she jumped, like, super far. Ivana, Ivana came back and jumped far, and we were just... We were just popping off seven-meter jumps. That's right. feet for the U.S. audience. Um, and I jumped, I think, 7.17 right. on my fifth jump. Which, which is Brittany, 23, six and a quarter, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brittany came back and jumped 7.15. Wow. <laughs> that is just that's less than an inch. One inch is 2.54 centimeters less than an inch apart between the gold and silver medal. Yeah, I mean that, but, the, and that's the wild thing. That's the story that I want to hear. And, you know, it, it's funny. I think too, sometimes it's like, you know, it's only natural. If I, if I lose in that kind of a battle, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I don't know about you. I'm very competitive. I would be pissed. You know what I mean? Maybe not I'm at you, but just frustrated <laughs> at the moment, you know? And it's like, I feel like sometimes it's like, I, you know, again, and maybe you can enlighten me, but I don't know if someone tells everyone like, hey, just make sure you're super positive. Don't say anything negative. But it's like, tell the truth. Like, if you're pissed, you should be like, dude, I freaking, I can't believe I didn't get all the board or, you know, like what, whatever, you know, it's like, I want, I want to hear that story. You know, I I mean, what do you think? Like what, why, why is it sometimes always like, uh, you know, that goes down, what an amazing competition. And then it's kind of like we get, I I don't know how to say, but almost like a fluff piece. You know what I mean? It's like, Oh, what a happy story. Look at these people all jumped well. And it's like, well, I'm, 
Go ahead. I'm happy to say that um, one person who does not do that is Ivana. Ivana does not do that. Um, when <laughs> well, she's mad, that's, she's that's mad. That's that Serbian side. We we can't help but be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, she, she will tell it like it is in the press conferences and on her social media platforms. Mm-hmm. And I I respect her immensely for that honesty and for her, her competitiveness. Actually, just knowing that she's going to be there keeps me on my A game because I know that's the way she is. Brittany yeah. and I are the same way, and we're the same way with each other. We don't always see the... We mm-hmm. follow each other on Twitter. Mm-hmm. You don't know, always see our interaction. We, we talk a lot in private. Mm-hmm. But um, when we see each other, you know, we, we genuinely like each other. At the same time, I greeted her at a fundraising event last year. Uh-huh. And I said to her, the first thing I said was, how are you doing to the only woman I can kind of stand losing to. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. And, and she, she responded, like, you know what? I feel that same way. Like, I hate losing to you, but, like, if it's you, I handle it a little bit better. I'm like, yeah, no, nah, I still don't like it, but I can kind of sit with it if it's you. Right, and right. Yeah, so we're honest about it. Yeah. And that's what you need to do because it's a skill, right? It's like mm-hmm. we're out there, we train every day. I don't want to hear after knowing you trained every day for nine months for this one moment mm-hmm. that, like, it just wasn't your time. I right. hate that. I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> are you sure that it just wasn't your time? Was it maybe that, you know, your approach was inconsistent or maybe you there was something that you didn't execute well or, or was it, like, no offense to the people who have, you know, faith and compete with faith as one of their, their right, pillars. Right, right. But I'm just like, I, I'm not sh- I'm not so sure God has something to do with your lack of execution. So I would like to hear, like, how you as a professional athlete who trains every day may or may not have made it happen today. Right. Because that's what I would find helpful, especially as a young athlete looking sure. up to us as role models. Well, and, and, and I think, too, if, if we provide that kind of information and then analysis, you know, that will help the younger generations. who's like, oh, I didn't even know that was important, you know? So, it, right. like, you know, if you start talking about approach, how you train the approach or something like that, or, you know what, we had trouble at this in practice and, you know, this and that. Oh, wait, you don't just, like, run your steps back from the board and go? You know what I mean? Like, that's something that young people and a lot of fans may not know. I mean, to me, it's crazy. It's like, if you talk to a football fan, they literally can tell you what a cover two defense is. Never mind all the positions on the field. They know what a cover two defense is. But a lot of times in track, I mean, there's such little information. All the people know are the marks. They're not seeing all the other intricacies. Like, I'm sure if, like, me and you sat down and watched a a long jump competition, we could see a lot of different... they didn't start the run right. Oh, they're chopping right. the step too much. Like, we'll see all that. And, I, and again, I feel like, you know, I get it. Because I think track, uh, you know, I don't know how to say this, but I feel like a lot of times the people who end up doing track are, are the, the athletes that maybe didn't find a home in other sports. And so we tend to be, you know, want to be nicer to each other. But at the same time, because of that, we're not providing honest and true analysis because we're afraid of offending someone. And I see it a lot of times even like on social media. It's like I feel like there's never an issue with maybe criticizing some young kid doing something. But if it's like a professional, especially in the pole vault world, it's like, oh, my God. You, it's, of course, it's perfect because they jumped high. 
you know, and it's like that we don't get any critical feedback, you know, and, and I know, and I know it's a fine line, you know what I mean? Cause obviously like, you know, I also do a lot of strength and conditioning work at, at my club. And, you know, you could post a deadlift video and obviously someone thinks you're going to break the person's back regardless if the technique is perfect, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I, and I, and I get that, but that's just part of it. Like you have to understand that that's just part of the game. You know, even, I mean, I, I wonder sometimes and think about this, this is an analogy I've been using of late is like a lot of people I think would love to be the LeBron James of track and field, but I don't think they really know what that means. I mean, to me, I, I give LeBron James a lot of credit in the fact that, you know, he just switched to L.A. And I don't know if you heard the story, but, like, they painted a mural with LeBron and they said yeah. the king of L.A. Well, people started putting graffiti on it, so they took out the L.A. part. People kept putting graffiti on it, so now they just took it down. And the thing is, this guy can't just, like, cry in bed and not want to play. Like, this guy still has to get up and play for L.A. where he knows they couldn't even put up a mural for him because there's people that don't like him. And that's really, like, that's the thing. If you achieve that kind of status, you, you have to know there's going to be critics and you just have to not let that noise bother you, you know? I mean, that's Absolutely. the reality, you know? Absolutely. And also, track and field is one of those sports where there isn't, there aren't hundreds of millions dollars right. going around. And mm -hmm. so it's kind of created this every man or woman for him or herself kind of atmosphere. So the idea of maybe helping someone or, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, you know, you're not as willing to do that because what if, oh, God forbid, what if that cuts into what you're able to get? You know, right. Our contracts, are, our contracts, if you can even get a contract, is cut through in their productions and you know, mm -hmm. what you need to do to keep it. And I think that forces a lot of athletes to kind of take on this let's not rock the boat kind of persona so that they don't lose what's extremely hard to come by in the first place. Right, so let, let's talk about that. I think I totally get that. I feel like because, like you said, there's not a lot of money involved, people are very careful and they don't want to make anyone upset, you know, because mm -hmm. they don't want to lose the little bit they have. But I think, like, you know, I look at, you know, you made, you made a line on, on uh, Twitter the other day where you're, uh, I can't remember it off the top of my head. You probably can remember it. But you tweeted something about, like, speaking out, like having a voice is so important. Right. And I was like, Absolutely. Absolutely, because now you actually have value. Like, going back to what you said before, and we were kind of talking about it before the podcast, too, is, like, everyone thinks, like, the amount of followers you have is important. I guess, but the thing is, if you don't have a voice, and if you don't have an actual community that's following you, like, I know even in the strength and conditioning world, there's a guy uh, named Joe DeFranco. He doesn't have an insane amount of followers, but the thing is, he has loyal fans. So that way, when he right. does actually say, hey, guys, I really believe in this product his fans will actually go out and buy it, you know, because they value right. his opinion. So when you have a voice, like you even writing your book and the, the way you, you were active on social media, for me, it's like you have value regardless if somebody maybe has 10,000 more followers than you because you actually engage with your community. And now that community listens to you. You know what I mean? So it's like if you were, you know, going to wear a certain shoe brand or if you were going to wear a certain type of spandex that just came out or whatever, you know, I'd be like, oh, okay, like I trust Tiana. Like, you know, she's, she always speaks the truth. So I'm, I'm going to try that out, you know? And I feel like that's what people don't realize. Like if you actually speak your truth and you're honest, 
your following will actually believe in you more. You know, I mean, that, I mean, that's my thought. I mean, what, what do you think? I think so too. Uh, that's that's the part that I think the athletes don't exactly understand is that when we are talking about companies, sponsors, potential partners looking at your social media in terms of value, they're not actually looking at the number of followers. You know, in isolation, they're looking at the engagement rate, which means like how many of those followers talk to you. How many of them? How many of them do you engage with? How many of them say, "Oh, this is cool," or "Tell me more about what you're talking about"? That is where the value is. So the only way to improve engagement numbers is, like you said, to engage. Yeah. And you have to have a personality or uh, a voice to do any of those things. Right, and uh, I mean, I actually I put out a video. Um, it was like a seven, seven minute video, and I actually put it on my podcast too, where I talked about like social media and pole vault specifically. I think one of the issues, and I totally get it, especially if someone's young. But I, I, I know there's this issue with some coaches too. Is like maybe you don't have anything to say. But I think more so you haven't thought about it. You know what I mean? You have to actually think about it. Like everybody has a story. Everybody has something they want to say. Like to me it's so funny. I mean things that maybe I've talked about for at least 10 years while I've been coaching and I never Mm -hmm. talked about it on social media. Now that's the stuff that I'm kind of putting out and I'm getting an amazing response. I mean I, I tell you like I think for every maybe negative comment I get or some person that maybe doesn't like what I'm saying because it maybe is contradictory to their ideas or philosophies, I get so many more people that are even like even if it's not comments, I have people that are DMing me. I mean I had an athlete that he actually jumped 17-9. He didn't have a coach, <laughs> you know, through high school or college and he started hitting me up on DM. I've started coaching him. He actually drove from Missouri to come work with me for a week, you know? And it's like, yeah. that's all because of social media. Like, if I didn't start posting, that, you know, that guy would have never found me, and we would have never formed that, that relationship where now I'm starting to really work with him more closely. And it's like, I think people are so afraid of maybe making one person upset, but what they're not seeing is you might get 10 fans, you know? Right. And that's, that's way more important, you know? Absolutely. That's absolutely correct. I um, Just because talking about my own personal struggles and journey mm-hmm. over the last, well, like 18 months or so, mm-hmm. uh, has really allowed younger athletes to reach out to me via email. And so this past summer, I actually was able to travel to the UK to meet with one mm-hmm. girl who was uh, dealing with, you know, similar, similarly depressing events in her mm-hmm. life. And none of that would have happened. I would not have been able to get face-to-face with her and kind of walk her through, you know, the methods and strategies that I used mm-hmm. to kind of keep going had I not been open about that in the first place yeah. um, on the platforms that I have available to me. Right. I just think that athletes have to think more outside the box. We all want to have value. We all want to feel appreciated. But if you only stick to, you know, your sport, then you're only as good as your last victory. Right. And losing happens way more than winning does. I mean, I lose so much. And if that was the case, if I had to wait until I was winning in order to, you know, feel that, I would rarely ever feel it. Yeah, well, so, I mean, let's even maybe talk about that more specifically. I mean, 
you know, so it's 2005. How how old were you in 2005? Like you were 20? 19. 19. 19. Oh my God. So you, you win your first world championship at 19. And I mean, you, you walk me through, maybe you didn't think this, but I know I would have been this way. If I was 19 years old and I won my first world championship, I would be like, oh my God, I'm just going to break the world record like a million times. And I'm going to just be undefeated for the next 10 years. <laughs> I mean, you must've been a, a mile high and then it takes till 2016 to win that individual medal, you know, gold medal again. I mean, how did you make it through that time? Because I'm sure that that was trying, you know. Oh, it was horrible, and I wouldn't wish it on anyone. But yeah, in 2005, after winning that, you know, you start thinking, the sky's the limit. I'm never going to get hurt. I'm only going to go up from here. Next stop, seven meters and medals mm. for the next decade. Right. And... And that was, like, on the one side. And on the other side, because I was so young, I was like, oh, my whole life has just changed. Like, one jump in my entire life has completely changed. And now it's not just for the love of jumping. Now I have to have these meetings with, you know, potential sponsors or managers. And and think about if I want to stay with my college teammates who are, like, my family then. It's like a whole, there's a whole host of things going on. But for the most part, yeah, I was extremely hopeful. Mm-hmm. about my career trajectory and so so were other people you know the, yeah. the next you know Jackie Joyner Kersey or whatever right? Um, because we hadn't had any success on, on the global level mm-hmm. that way in quite some time well yeah and, and your 100 and meter time is amazing it's 10, 7, 8 yes yeah I mean that's like you're, you're unbelievable yeah go, go ahead thank you <laughs> thank you so but I didn't handle any, oh, I said I was to say I didn't handle that tra- transition well. Nobody did. Nobody around me handled the transition from nineteen year old, you know, college student athlete to nineteen year old world champion, right. professional and then I got injured, which you yeah. know, is part of the sport but not something I prepared for because in my young brain, you know, I was invincible but that would never happen. And so right. that messed with my confidence. And, and honestly, it wasn't so much my body that didn't allow me to get back to the podium. Mm-hmm. I did win another world championship title in 2015 mm-hmm. uh, in the long jump, 10 years after the first, and then 16 with the Olympic medal. Mm-hmm. It was my confidence. I literally had to put myself back together mm-hmm. mentally and just figure out how to get back there. And it, it took well, they, they talk about it, you know, to use an analogy in another sport, they talk about it almost in fighting all the time. You know, when you see an undefeated fighter, it's amazing, but you're always worried when he or she loses for the first time, how will they bounce back? Because some people, mm-hmm. once they experience that first loss, it's very trying. You know, it's it's not easy to come back. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's it's just to me, that's an amazing story. I mean, so what what were some of the things that you were able to do and, I, you know, to kind of get back? You know what I mean? How did you build that confidence back up? A lot of it has to do with taking the emotion out of it. I mean, this is, especially with pole vault, we're talking yes. physics and geometry at the end of the day. Right. And neither of those cares at all about my self-esteem, <laughs> right. um, how much money is in my bank account, what my coach did to me, or what my boyfriend or girlfriend said to me. Like, yeah. None of that matters. And right. once I started to approach my events and try to feel in general in a more scientific way, mm-hmm. I was able to look at it with with more objective eyes. Like, okay, you know what? My diet actually 
isn't supportive of me being an elite athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, mass is an important issue for me. If I'm trying to defy gravity, I need to right. take care of my diet. I'm right. going to be able to look at different, you know, different segments of what it would take. So my diet and technique and all of these other things and making sure that my execution was not contingent on my emotional state because it did not matter at all how I felt. 2015, 15, 14, I was going through hell away from the track mm-hmm. during during all of that. Yeah. But every time I stepped on the track, I would remind myself that physics doesn't give a damn about what is going on in my life right now. Yeah. I know that I have to push for five steps and make my hips tall and run off the board and drive my right knee and engage mm-hmm. my core and try to keep those legs up as long as possible. Right. And then fly forward into the pit, you know, if, if possible, like, just don't fall, don't, you know, don't fall backwards to lay mark from a closer right. place. That's the checklist that I go over in my mind where a lot of young athletes get into trouble because they carry all of that emotional baggage or doubt, worry into every competition, living and dying with each competition and, and rolling over those emotions into the next one until you get caught in this trap of just things not happening for you because you're focused on the wrong thing. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll personally speak of that too. I mean, you know, when I first started coaching, it was like every year just people jumped higher. You know what I mean? Like, and think about it, it's easy. You, you first start coaching, it's like every year I'm coaching PRs. And I remember yeah. coaching my first Division Three national championship. And, you know, my guy had jumped 17, five and a half. He actually had zero misses. We won on attempts. He had like a perfect day, you know? And that night, though, I'm, like, laying in bed, staring at the hotel ceiling. Like, I'm sure anybody else would be celebrating. And I'm like, why didn't we get the next bar? You know, I'm, like, killing myself over this. You know what I mean? And it really, like, the last national championship I coached, that was probably, like, the best day of my life. I coached a national champ who actually broke the indoor national record. I had a freshman girl who was seated 19th place fourth. She PR'd. Wow. Yeah, and we ended up getting third as a, as a team. That I, Tiana, I'm, I'll tell you what, that was one of the worst experiences of my life. <laughs> like, oh, on, really? Oh, my God. On paper, it was amazing. But, I mean, my national champ was upset because she didn't break the outdoor record. I'm, like, super frustrated myself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then I have this poor freshman girl. She's watching all this, like, unfold. You know what I mean? It, it was yeah. just, it was bad. It was bad. And I was, like, at a point, like, because I have a club. So I, I, you know, run my own business. I have a pole vaulting club where we have, like, about 100 athletes a year. You know? And mm-hmm. I, I was at a point where it was, like, it was difficult to coach beginners, you know, if I'm being completely honest. Because I was, like, so used to coaching champs and trying to get someone right. to USAs. And it was, like... I just like, you know, oh my God, like this kid's in middle school, like they can barely get on the mats. Like it just, I couldn't bring the energy. And like you said, I had to finally get to a place in my head where it was like, look, it doesn't matter if I'm having a good day or a bad day. It doesn't matter if, you know, I'm upset because running a business is hard and I don't have friends or something like that. Mm-hmm. I have to bring that energy for every kid that comes into the club. You know, regardless, regardless if they're trying to go to USA's or they're just a beginner. Because if, you know, right. coaching someone to USA's is different than running a business. You know what right. I mean? Like that little kid that comes in, he doesn't care if I'm trying to get someone to USA's and vice versa. 
You know what I mean? If I have a long day coaching those beginners, I still have to bring the energy for the guy or gal that's trying to go to USA's. So it's like once I got to that point in my coaching, kind of like what you're saying with your, with your long jumping, I was just in a better place. Like I have to, regardless of how I personally feel, I have to bring the same energy that I need as a coach, as a business person, everything. You know what I mean? It's like Absolutely. And when you do that, you know exactly who's going to show up. You know, mm-hmm. you know which version of you is going to show up. Right. When you are living and dying with whatever is going on around you, you have no way to know which you is going to is going to show up to the job or to the track or it, and then that just leaves the door open for inconsistency because you didn't control the one thing that you had control over yourself. Right. Right. Ab- absolutely. And and you see it like, you know, I kind of see it at, you know, and now as a coach at the level that I'm at, I can see it with a young athlete who's starting to get early success and I could help guide them and say like, look, like right now I'm telling you you're on your way up, but you have to calm down, relax. You can't get too high for the ups. You can't get too down for the downs. Like we just got to be nice and steady and always look at this almost analytically. You know, like, what did you do well today? What didn't you do well? What are we doing tomorrow? Regardless if you win or lose, regardless if you PR or not, that's kind of how we have to go about it, you know? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, I, you know, it's, it's, it's that, that's to me, like, kind of to bring back the whole thing about social media and the way our sport is presented. That's why, like, it kind of, it makes me upset because it's like we're not getting those stories not enough people are hearing that. And, and it's so funny. I, I made a post on my Instagram where I was like, you know, you can't, um, you can't take responsibility for the PRs if you don't own the no heights, you know, cause in pole vault, yeah. like you can get a no height. Right. And mm-hmm. I got a lot of great feedback from people. I mean, even again, sometimes people don't want to comment, but I got DMS from people who are like, you know, I went through a tough time. I was no hiding a lot, you know, and I was like, all right, well, what'd you do to get through it? You know, and, and, and talking to people about how to get through that process, because I feel like, you know, everybody wants to talk about the victories, but dealing with those failures, I mean, like your career alone and, and the things that you could speak of how you got through that time. Cause how many, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it. How many athletes, they start out young, they look great. And then they, you don't see them in a couple of years. All the time. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's all too common. And, and the thing is like, you know, you, you have a great ability to help people through that. You know what I mean? Um, and I feel like those are stories that are out there and we're just, we're not sharing them, you know, as a track community, you know? Um, I agree. Let me, a little bit to switch the gears, um, you know, like you were talking about going into, uh, you know, Rio and, you know, going from four jumps at the Diamond League meets to six jumps at, at Rio and, you know, nobody knew what to expect. And do you sometimes feel like, I mean, I don't know, I know, especially in the pole vault when I watch, it's like, unless we were at a championship meet, it's like, you don't see the competitive aspect as much. I feel like, cause like going back to what we were saying about numbers, like I feel like track, we're always talking about numbers and we're not selling like the competition cause you don't always get a world record, but we always have winners. We always have losers. You know, mm-hmm. how do you feel about that? You know, I, well, I think for being the athlete in the situation, for mm-hmm. me in 2016, I had only trained for two competitions. Right. I trained for Olympic trials and for the Olympic Games. Right. Um, so that was just the way my P 
periodization schedule, my training schedule right, right, right. set up. So even if I wanted to, with all my heart, jump far somewhere else, it mm-hmm. may not have happened because I wasn't there in my training mm-hmm. or it was too loaded from the gym to make that happen. Right, right, so right. So for me, a lot, of, a lot of times in a championship year, you will see that I lose all the way up through the championships. Right. I will, you know, perform well enough to make my team. And then once we get to the championship, then, you know, I arrive. You know, because I'm tapered and, and lighter and ready to go. Right. I think that might be the case with a lot of professional athletes who are used mm-hmm. to need, to being able to show up at these specific events. And so right. we have to we have to train ourselves to not be so caught up in the numbers right. or the wins and losses because, you know, for our own personal goals and even the goals of our sponsors and, mm-hmm. you know, for the, the bullet points in our contracts, they don't actually care too much if we win or, you know, if we win during the season. It's all about that one championship or making that team right. in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so for us, I mean, we are being competitive. We still don't like to lose, but yeah. we we know how to lose. I mean, yeah. I didn't actually make a single Diamond League final in 2016. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, because of the because I just couldn't get any good jumps going uh, before the fourth round, I wasn't even making the cut. So right, it just it was one of those situations I think young people can learn from yeah. because they are so worried and beat themselves up so bad about losing, and it's just right. like look. If you have these larger goals, losing is part of it. Losing is going to happen. You can lose all the way up until the Olympic Games and then win the Olympics. It's just part of the game. All you can do is show up and be competitive on that day. Right. An example or analogy I would would even give, it kind of reminds me of like, you know, when you see certain championship teams in other sports, like let's say the New England Patriots, they might start out the season two and two. They're not undefeated, mm-hmm. but it's like by the time you get to the championship, they're ready. You know what I mean? So they, they're always one of the top teams. So, I, you know, what you're bringing up is is a great point. Like, because even in the Diamond League meets, I mean, how many times do you see, like, someone's, like, winning all the Diamond League meets, and then all of a sudden you get to the championship, and they're not there, you know? Because I've seen that happen. Right. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean- Yes, you can't. It's all about timing, and there's just there's so much. Uh, and so I think the takeaway here is like, don't get like you said, you stay in the middle. You don't let the lows bring you down too low, and you don't let the highs take you up too high because both will happen during the season. It's just a matter of you know retaining that energy and that motivation to keep moving forward. Right, right. Well, and, and again, I, I, I you know. It's it's funny because it's like you know sometimes outside looking in you, you kind of look at some of these meets and man I, I, you know are are they really competing hard what's going on because outside looking in we're not we're not getting the information back and I feel like again through the social media of like different track uh, social media accounts it's like all they're giving us are the marks and they're not giving us the story. You know what I mean? It's like I would love to hear an interview after like a Diamond League meet where like maybe one of the athletes like, look, like I'm really like my goal is this meet and I know I'm going to be there because I've qualified. And so, you know, it's like that's that's what I'm doing, you know, and that would be great. And then, you know, hear the flip side where maybe the person who's kind of winning all these meets like, well, I think I'll be fine. Like I'll still be ready for that. You know, it's like that's an interesting story where fans now can kind of follow that line instead of just kind of looking for results. 
You know what I mean? Right. Absolutely. Um, did, did you did you want to bring up anything about you know how through social media or the internet, like how people can find track or sometimes have a difficulty about finding track meets or trying to watch? You know, did you want to speak? Yeah. That? So we have a really difficult time with. Um, we don't get a lot of TV time except for, you know, the Olympic year. And track and field is probably the most watched thing in the Summer Olympics. And so it's really disheartening for a lot of us when the other three years, uh, there's right. no, or it's very difficult to find track and field. Uh, it's good that there are outlets like Flow Track and NBC Bold and IWF, Diamond League apps and all these streaming services, but I just, I just wish they'd find a way to do so without charging subscriptions that price our fans out of the market mm-hmm. um, entirely, basically, because you then have to be a member or subscribe to four or five different apps to kind of keep up with all the, the meets happening around the globe. Right. I just I think that's unfortunate because we talk about how much we need to grow the sport and the appeal and that more fans means more money to the sport, but... We're kind of uh, hustling backwards in this regard. Well, and I I would say this because I think it's like it's a a double-edged sword. I kind of – I'm on board with you. I think that, you know, there should be some free way for people to view track, you know, and watch it. Um, But at the same time, then, I always see these like certain events uh, in the States, you know, where they don't charge spectators at the actual venue. And to me, that's crazy. Like, you have to charge spectators. You know what I mean? I actually, I held a meet this summer, which was Pobo only, and I charged spectators. You know, I didn't charge a lot. It was 10 bucks, But that's why I was able to give out prize money. Like, the top jumpers, I had a girl jump 14, a guy jump 17.6. I was able to give them $800 each. You know, and it's like, that, that was, pretty good. yeah, like I thought that was pretty cool. And the thing is like, so I feel like you can charge spectators, you know what I mean? But I think on the internet, yeah, there's got to be a way for people to watch without having to pay. I mean, I, it's almost like, you know, in this day and age, it's like, I feel like they could just Instagram live, Facebook live, you know, at least do that. And then maybe if you want to like afterwards view it, I don't know, but like, I, how about even like Netflix? Like, I mean, again, I'm not up on that level, but like, you know, I feel like even the TV stuff is not that big of a deal. Like, if there was a track tab on Netflix, oh my goodness, that would, that would like really be game changer. And right now, there's really not, I don't think there's any sports on Netflix. So if, if the, whoever's first, that would be a huge land grab, and then you're going to get a lot of eyeballs. And that's what you yeah. want. You want to get a lot of people watching, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, so there's a lot that can be done, but I think it's just also very scattered, and so mm-hmm. we get too many, too many chefs. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, well, that's that's a problem, right? Like you can't, you have one chef. That's it. Um, I I also want to ask you about your book. So you have a book out, right? Uh, what's the title again? Is it Gravity? Yeah, so my memoir is not out yet, but it's oh, it's not out yet. Complete, but it's. Um, I, for my birthday, I had this idea that I would package all of the blogs that I've written um, okay. since May of last year. So I did that. But I also included the first um, first two chapters of memoir because of my memoir, Gravity, because they're already complete. And okay. I kind of just wanted to, you know, know what people thought of it. Uh, and if it was, and to see if it was a story they found interesting enough to want to continue to read so yeah gravity will be coming soon and for the track people listening mm-hmm. uh i 
do have an ebook that I released last year that's free called Why You're Not a Track Star. And I think whether you're a sprinter or a jumper or whatever, you will find a lot of good information because like we mentioned earlier, I took those seven years where I was just horrible and I looked back on them and kind of gleaned five uh, five lessons I learned from that period. And I think it could, at the very least, help other people avoid the same traps that I fell into. No, I listen, I, I would recommend anybody to read your stuff. I mean, your story is amazing. I think for anybody who's been listening to this podcast today, they can hear the value you bring. You know what I mean? Uh, you're Thank definitely you. honest. You know, you're providing real, real information. Uh, I think sometimes, and I'm sure, Tiana, you, long jump is no different than pole vault. There's so many people that get caught up in the minutia of technique, and I'm not saying technique's not important, but it's like we almost form these like little religions. Like, I do it this way, they do it that way, yeah, and we don't talk to each sure. other. And it's like, the thing is, there's so much more in common that we have um, as track athletes, as long jumpers, as pole vaulters, as sprinters, that that, you know, we can share each other's stories and really learn and take from it. And it's bigger than just technique. Um, how can people find your, your book? How can they find Gravity once it's out? Is, is it online or can they get it at a store? How, how can they yeah, get it? Yeah, no, they're all online. So mm -hmm. I have two websites. So the website where my blog is hosted and the, they can get the free ebook is theycallmetv.com. Okay. And, um, Gravity, you can find the link in my online store. That okay. sounds so strange for me to say. <laughs> I have an online store. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's on um, tvtrackstar.com. It's kind of uh, the website that I built for young athletes to kind of go and get resources for meal plans and exercises and core work and just a bunch of, of things I try to drop into one place to awesome. kind of help support athletes in their, in their journey. Well, the, well, that's awesome. Look, I would highly recommend anyone to, to check out Tiana's online store, check out her book. Uh, you'll definitely find value. If you don't follow her already, you should follow her. Um, what Your Twitter is just, what what's it, what exactly are your Twitter handles, your Instagram, so everybody can follow you? Okay. My Twitter handle is at T.I. Bartoletta. Um, you can just type my name in as mm. well, and it'll come up. Uh, mm. Instagram is Tiana Bartoletta. Okay. And Facebook, you can just search for Tiana B, um, like B is in Bumblebee, B-E-E, mm. and you'll find me. Awesome. Well, look, I, I highly recommend everybody following. Tiana is awesome. She, uh, like I said, she brings a lot of value to the table, and she's got an amazing story. Um you know, you've had a tremendous career so far, and uh, you know, I think I think people can learn a lot. Uh, Tiana, thank you for being on the podcast. Um, thanks everybody for listening. Um, and as always, anybody who has any questions or anything, reach out. Uh, you can even just shoot me an email. It's just apexvaulting at gmail dot com, and uh, you know, you'll hear us next time. <laughs>